Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with licensed therapist Allison Zubo. As a licensed therapist, she specializes in trauma, anxiety, and sex and intimacy. Her mission is to help people break free from shame and limiting thoughts so they can find their way to radical and relentless self-love and empowerment and realign with their most authentic self. She's had an interesting career and background that includes Rikers Island Jail and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. It's a great interview, great story. Enjoy. Awesome. Hi, Allison. What's going on? Oh my god, I'm putting on my earring. My earring just fell out. <laughs> so excuse I'm uh, refixing myself here. It's all good. Uh, I'm so glad this worked out. I feel like this has been such a long time in the making. It's been a marathon. Yeah, we should get a sticker yeah. to put on our cars that say <laughs> the marathon par- podcast has finally commenced. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, where are you located? I am in Jersey. Yeah. Jersey. Okay. Yeah, Jersey. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of history up there. Um, are you close to Manhattan? Is that? Yeah. I, um, I spent like about two decades in Manhattan and, um, now I'm in Jersey about an hour outside of the city. Yeah. So what's the mentality that goes into being a New York, New Jersey person when you do finally say, I got to get out? Is it kind of like you go, instead of going to Florida, you go to Jersey? Kinda. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Jersey. So I like, you know, turned 18. I, the day I turned 18, I simultaneously graduated from high school and I like pieced it out to New York. Yeah. And I spent quite a long time there, half my life there. And then I was one of the people in COVID that mass exodus. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you're leading right into my first question, which is, how did you get through that time period now that the world's waking up and how has it changed the way that you do things now? Oh my God. It changed everything. Um, you know, I, to <laughs> I mean, it changed the way I did. I do work for sure. So I am a therapist. Um, and I, you know, the idea of being a virtual therapist was something that would have blown my damn mind. If, uh, if you had asked me this in like 2019, um, obviously I had to become a virtual therapist due to, for obvious reasons, and I have never actually gone back to my office. So that certainly changed my personal, well, my professional life. Um, but you know, COVID was a weird thing for a million reasons, but one of them being, you know, it kind of forced everybody to really slow down. Um, and I noticed about myself, I was like very, very overworking. I really had a lot of high functioning anxiety. I never said no to anything. I was working three jobs and then COVID happened and I had to kind of completely shift my entire life. Um, and my takeaway is actually it's quite, it's quite nice on the slower, on like this, the wind down. Um, so, you know, I always joke with my partner, like we didn't settle down. We just slowed down, right? Like right. I don't have to go from like crazy intense New Yorker to suddenly. Like we're doing nothing, but actually if we take like stop and take a breath of fresh air, it's quite <laughs> rejuvenating. Well, and to be in that environment in New York, you know, it's already going crazy. My dad's was born in Brooklyn and I have a lot of family in, in uh Long Island and Babylon. Yeah, and oh, yeah. Massapequa. And I, I remember I went there in 98, I think it was 98. And my cousin, she was like one of the coolest people I ever knew. One of the original hipsters got me my first Bukowski reader, took me into, um, you know, the village to get sushi for the first time, all of these things. And I remember we were going to take a double decker bus and do one of those touristy things. 
And she was like, oh, my God, I hope no one sees me. I'm like, my God, we're in New York. What are you talking about? Like, I just, uh, my brain coming from Kansas City couldn't even comprehend. Because even in Kansas City, it's much smaller. The chances of me running into certain pockets is oh, probably yeah. minuscule. So anyway, but, um, yeah, so I've spent a little time up there. It's, it's uh, that has to be a lot. And I remember talking to a lot of musicians because I do jazz radio. Where they were kind of in shock because no one was in Times Square or no one was out. That that would be weird. Yeah, my um my husband owns um two bars. One of them is a very famous gay bar um in New York. So when everything shut down, um we would have to go into the bar often just to kind of check in. Obviously, no one in it. The place was closed, and it was like cryptic. You know, um, we were in, you know, we're in Christopher and Seventh, the heart of the village. There's always, you know, our, one of our bars has gotten rated pretty consistently the best place, one of the best places in New York to people watch. Um, and there was, there was really like no people to watch, right? And, um, it was just really apocalyptic almost. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's go back to your childhood. Did you always want to be in therapy? What was your dream? Oh my God. So, you know, it's funny. I actually was obsessed when I was a kid, like way too young to be obsessed with things like this, but I was really into the criminal mind and understanding forensics. And now when I say that in like 2023, it's not that big of a deal because we have all these shows like, you know, criminal minds, SVU, all of the forensic kind of genre of entertainment has really spiked, but that didn't really exist in like 1985 to 1990. Yeah. Um, so I had always wanted to become an FBI agent. That was like kind of my goal. But I loved, even when I was younger, just kind of understanding feelings, why people do what they do. So when I went to college, I had really been looking for a forensic psychology program. Uh, now they're they're pretty accessible, then they were not. Um, so I couldn't really find a program that I enjoyed. So I switched to just plain psychology, you know, just like general psychology. And um, I double majored in psych and um, at the time it was called women's studies. Now it's more appropriately probably called gender studies and human sexuality. Um, so I got really into understanding people um, under the lens of really a lot to do with like gender and sexuality. Um, so I did all of that throughout my college and I did a lot of internships revolving around that. Um, I worked for Planned Parenthood. I worked on a pilot study um, talking about people who are at high risk for HIV and how can we change their behaviors and get them to be safer. Um, and, but then when I graduated, I still kind of had that pull towards forensics. So I went to school. My my I actually have two master's degrees now, one in forensic psych and one in forensic mental health. Um, and I, my first degree, I worked with the FBI and I did research. So I did research on, um, with the FBI on, um, the people who, you know, sex workers, people in the sex industry who had uh, crimes committed against them typically were, were killed and, um, worked with like, who does this stuff to them? Right. So I had like a very research based focus, a really like criminal based focus, um, and it was super interesting. And I applied to the FBI and actually got in um, and um, decided at that point, I had a, like multiple kind of job offers on the table. And one of them was just uh, like in a private investigation field, wasn't with the FBI. Um, and honestly, I was like 22 at the time, 23. I didn't want to move from New York. So that was like <laughs> my biggest decision was to not go to the FBI is because I just loved New York so much. Yeah. So I stayed local and I did that for um many years. I was a private investigator. 
and I um, volunteered doing mental health. So I worked in um, sexual assault uh, clinics. Uh, I worked in in New York City ER doing um, domestic violence and sexual assault trauma immediate crisis care. Um, and maybe like six or seven years into my like part of my career. I kind of had like this big existential moment where I just like hated being a private investigator. It's like never really what I wanted to do. I was doing white corporate crimes. Um, so like white collar embezzlement, things like that. It just, you know, I, I was good at it. Uh, it didn't interest me at all. And, um, so I decided to go back to being in mental health. And at the time, my degree that I had originally gotten no longer qualified you for a license. So I had to actually go back because I had forensic psych. And the state of New York now needed forensic mental health. Um, So um, when I went back, I was like, all right, I'm now in my mid-30s, right? I needed to do an internship, right? And I was like, damn, I don't want to go back to free work. Um, Not even free work. I have to pay for it. So I had worked with my school to see if I could work at Rikers Island, which is a very um, like infamous jail in New York City, um, to see if I could do mental health counseling there. And the, they used to have a program. The program had closed. But I used my street smarts and my private investigation skills. And I found the woman who ran the program. And I kind of pitched myself. Um, and so I did actually get the internship there. So I did a, a multi, like nine month stint in um, working in mental health at Rikers Island, um, and actually, I was placed in solitary confinement. So it's been quite a career jump. Jump yeah. around. Wow, that's you've gone through some intense things. You exactly. probably aged like a president, huh? I did age like a president. <laughs> wow. So, talk to me a little bit about what were what is what is the fuel for you? What makes you do what you do? What is the passion for you to be in therapy? You know, because of the history that I kind of evolved from, um, I mostly now, so I'm private practice now. Um, after I ended Breakers, I did like some international trauma work. And ultimately, when I came back stateside, I, I like landed on doing private practice. And so I've had, you know, sort of like I've been in an ER. I've been in Rikers Island in a really, you know, in solitary confinement, nonetheless. I've been internationally doing trauma care and now I'm in private practice. And what kind of my passion is, is, you know, the thing I've learned from all of these pieces of my resume that feel really disconnected is like trauma shows up everywhere. Right. And, um, you know, I, I, I certainly believe like the events that happen to us do not make us right. But the healing of trauma and like how to get over trauma is really heavy. And so that's kind of the work that I like to do. So even in private practice now, I work, um, with people I, I'm a, I do sex and intimacy and anxiety and trauma and kind of the, you know, again, the, the theme there is these are people that are really working with their thoughts, right? Like how to re-empower themselves, how to let go of shame, how to let go of limiting thoughts. That's like pretty deep work. Um, and you know, I love it. I love when I get a chance to, you know, a lot of the beginning of that work is like building rapport, right? Someone has to feel if they're going to be talking about these like really intense things with me, they have to trust me and like me. Um, so it's like kind of a slower moving process. But then when I do connect with someone and they're able to share vulnerability and we're able to kind of help, I'm able to kind of facilitate them in like re-empowering themselves. Like they do all the work. I just kind of, you know, lead. Um, 
you know, it's mind blowing, right? It's like yeah. mind blowing what people can overcome. So who's been kind of a hero for you in your life? A mo- uh, like a, like a role model. <laughs> so it's like my first instinct there is Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> Just have a weird obsession with Oprah. Um, but you know, I, I honestly, I follow a lot of, um, mental health, like kind of thought leaders. Um, and I don't know that any one of them has been like my necessarily hero, but I think it's just been sort of a huge pull of all of these different philosophies. Um, like Brene Brown, for instance, is like very popular. Um, you know, sometimes I have a love hate relationship with her, but she has this one line that's like, you can't dress for her tragedy. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've always really resonated with that. And I share that with clients quite a lot. You know, we do have this idea that if we just overthink something or try to come up with every if then where we suddenly are in control and the truth is like bad things are going to happen to us. And, you know, that's just part of the human experience. So if we really kind of go deeper and just trust ourselves more, we don't have to worry so much about all the details of like, but if this happens, but if this happens, so she stands out to me, um, I love Michelle Obama. <laughs> so <laughs> she's, uh, I, I read all her stuff. Uh, I think, I think she's pretty badass. So yeah, I think that those are my top two. Uh, was- so you probably answered my next question, which is if you can meet anybody alive on the planet right now, who would it be? Definitely Oprah and Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I couldn't help but thinking, you know, when the pandemic was going on, I kept thinking, when Times Square was empty, David Lynch was going to come out with a big cigarette and his hair in the air and just yell cut. Yep. So talking about the FBI and the time period that you were interested in all of that, are you a Twin Peaks fan? I was, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it just yeah. completely, I just kept seeing Dale Cooper get that pie and coffee. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, of all of the things that you've done in your life and accomplished, what are you the proudest of? Ooh, that's a great question. I've never actually been asked that. Um, you know, I think I, I did, I did, I was proud of the work I did at Rikers. Um, Rikers is a pretty terrible place. Um, I, you know, there's, it's just a really in tough environment to be in. And, um, so, you know, just showing up each there each and every day was rough. Um, but I do, I do believe that I was actually able to kind of connect to some of the people that I talked to. Um, I had a little bit of an edge because I worked in solitary confinement. So, you know, I don't know if typically speaking, someone would want to come talk to me and sit and talk about their feelings. But, you know, given that like there's their limited allowance out was to talk to me. And what I realized is, you know, people, you know, typically if you end up in Rikers Island, you had some sort of a trauma history, right? Like the skill building or the resources or, you know, I'm, I'm talking and I only worked with men talking to people about their feelings was kind of like the first time anyone's ever asked them like, well, why'd you do that? You know, what was that about? What were you feeling? Do you have any coping skills? Um, so I'm really proud of that. And then the other thing on like a more personal note is I gave up alcohol mostly. I'm like 99% there. Um, probably now I've been sober curious for about three years and I pretty much stopped drinking and I'm, I'm coming up to my birthday this weekend and you know, it's been very few drinks since then. And um, part of the reason I'm really proud of that is because, you know, I do have a mental health background. So I've learned a lot about alcohol, but I've only learned it in the context of addiction. Right. And I uh, would not classify myself as having an alcohol addiction. It just was really wrecking havoc on my anxiety. Right. And so I spent a lot of time 
kind of self-teaching myself the relationship between booze and anxiety and mental health. And now I understand it a lot better. So I can share that conversation with other people and kind of help them feel less alone. Um, but my, my husband does own bars. I was a New York city bartender for 18 years. Yeah. <laughs> so this weekend is a uh, pride in the city. I'll be, you know, at my bar all weekend. So, you know, it's been a little bit of a radical lifestyle change since it's just so a- absolutely, you know, ever around me all of the uh-huh. time. Yeah, for sure. So let's say you have a dream tonight. You run into the 20 year old version of yourself. Hmm. You could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life up to this point. What would you tell that young version of you? Oh my God. First of all, I think I'd just like give her a big ass hug. Um, You know, I think I would just say something to the effect of like, it's going to work out and you're doing just fine. Like you don't need to work so hard. Um, you know, I counsel a lot of teenagers and I, I love teens and, and college students. And I find, and I was certainly, you know, guilty of this. There's just so much comparison, right? Like I should be doing this. I should have things figured out. I should be getting married and really, you know, you're not on anybody else's timeline. Like you can take things as slowly as you want to go. You got nothing to prove. So I think that would be my, like my message. So why do you love New York so much? What's the number one reason why you love New York? Oh my God. My love affair with New York. I would say the diversity, right? It's just, um, you know, uh, again, my, my bars on Christopher and seven. And when you just walk on that corner of New York, that little slice of New York, it's just like, there's families, then there's tourists, then there's a drag queen, right? Then there's suddenly a marching band. And it's just like this eclectic, unbelievable place where you can see anything all the time. You know, we're constantly like only in New York, right? Yeah. And insert a million random scenarios there. Yeah. I, I have experience. I travel the world. Um, like I'm, a, I'm pretty, actually, that's probably something I'm very proud of. Um, I've been to, I think I was at like 29 countries in the last 10 years. Um, I haven't, I love other countries. I love other cultures. I haven't seen like the mismatch of people. Um, you know, as obvious as it is in New York. Like you go to Times Square, you're seeing everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it's interesting. There's people out there that don't subscribe to therapy or do it or they're not sure that they need it. Would it be safe to assume that most people that exist on the planet need it? Or is there a group of people that don't need it? You know, good question. Um I would venture to say that, that everyone can benefit from therapy, but I think the piece that gets lost when someone's like really anti-therapy is they don't totally understand what it is, right? So for me, and this is one woman, one opinion, one therapist out in the world, to me, the utility of therapy is not that I know better than anyone because what do I, I absolutely believe you are, you know better about your life and what you need than I will ever know. There's no textbook that's going to teach me that. But there is a huge value in speaking to someone who theoretically is non-judgmental, right? Who you can talk about your secrets. I'm ethically obliged. I can't tell anybody, right? But then just the idea of, you know, I'm not in someone's life, I think is monumentally important, right? So I'll hear people be like, I don't need a therapist. I have a sister. It's like, right. But let's say you're complaining about your husband to your sister. Now you got to go to Christmas dinner with them, right? It's just a little bit of a different dynamic. You might unconsciously, subconsciously be shifting what you say, how you say it, what you're really willing to express, where just the idea of having a platform where you get to sit down and talk about what's on your mind 
with no judgment, theoretically, and, you know, it goes nowhere. I think that is just like hugely useful yeah. with that said, um, you know, I like to meet people where they are. Right. And that does take like a pretty profound level of vulnerability, right. To sit and share my secrets, to even know what I'm thinking might be a stretch for some people to name a feeling, to learn a coping skill or to just let someone else access that. It might be too far. So, you know, I think therapy isn't the only way to healing. You know, there, there's other ways. A lot of it is community, right? Like just finding safe spaces to get to be who the hell you are in life, right? Yeah. Like if, if you're not a therapy junkie, like I am, that's a good start, starting point. So yeah. let's get, let's get to the essence of you. Everyone has a perception of you, family, fl- family, friends, clients, colleagues, <laughs> but you ultimately run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Ooh, I love all these questions. Who do I think I am? Um, who do I think I am? Um, I pride myself, like my biggest core values are open-mindedness for sure. So I, I feel very strongly to just go into situations and be curious rather than correct. So I think, you know, that's definitely who I am. Um, I say that I want to put my eyeballs on as many things as I can put on in this life as, as I can get away with before I take my last breath. So I'm very, uh, explorative, you know, um, I'm very adventurous. I love, I don't love roller coasters. I don't, I'm not an adrenaline junkie in that way, but like I go scuba diving. I, you know, go on safaris. So I just, I do think I'm like, you know, kind of a, a wild spirit, I guess, even though I talk like this when I'm in therapy. Right. Yeah. I've had so many clients tell me like, you're so calm. I just wish I had your energy. I'm like, girl, <laughs> you don't see me on the weekends, right? Like I do have anxious energy. I'm very, um, when I get my, my passions around things, I get really intense. Um, so yeah, that's probably another part of who I am too. I got a, I got a flare of intensity going on for me as well. I like it. So if anyone wants to learn more about you, hire you, anything pertaining to your world, where can they go? So my website is a note from your And my handles are pretty much the same. They vary a little bit. Some of them I think are a note from therapy, but my, my main social media is at, at asterisk, um, asterisk, what is that thing called? The a, I don't know, whatever the words escaping me. Oh, the at symbol. Yeah. <laughs> the ad symbol, a note from your therapist. Excellent. Allison, thank you. This has been great. We finally yeah. bridged finally the did it. thing. We, we got in here. Have a great weekend. Absolutely. Best of luck with everything. Thank you so much. I enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Music